At some point when you're planning a startup, you have to take the leap and ask yourself, what could happen? That's the focus of this podcast as we build a new business in real time. I'm Jen. And I'm Matt. Subscribe to this podcast to find out if we succeed or fail. Let's find out together what could happen. So for the past couple of weeks, we haven't had a podcast because we've been working on other pieces of the business. And the biggest one has been naming the business itself and developing some of the marketing materials. And we've already had a small pivot. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This is why you test and you test and you test before you launch anything. So, (laughs) Or at least, you know, a Google. Search. We probably should have done that earlier in the process. So I mean, this is a this is a great kind of uh, self-effacing thing, um, which is you know is is as much as we've done this and as many businesses as we've helped launch or been involved in launching. You know, even we still make some kind of stupid mistakes. And one of the stupid mistakes that we made <laughs> recently was that we decided to name it without actually checking to see if like there weren't already four or five companies named that. In this very state. Yeah, one of which is in this this state in the, uh, in, in what town is it in? Wadawi. Wadawi. I keep on calling it Wadawi, but Wadawi. <laughs> um, don't really couldn't find that on a map, but apparently it exists. So the 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 comedy, just to let everybody in on the joke here, is that we wanted to call it Red Hawk Ventures. So Red Hawk is an entrepreneur development company. Red Hawk Entrepreneur Development Company is the brand and the company that Jen and I are probably no, most well known for, and it functions within the entrepreneur startup space. And so we we really were feeling strongly about having an extension of that brand within you know kind of a, a more traditionally named um, fund and uh, and for structural reasons we actually need it to be a separate company it can't be just a part of of Red Hawk so um, or Red Hawk EDC so we wanted to call it Red Hawk Ventures well the problem is, is that there's somebody selling mailing lists out of uh, Wadawi um, of all things. There's also two, you know, Red Hawk is the mascot for University of oh, Miami, Ohio, or Ohio, Miami. I yeah, I don't have a problem with that conflict. Yeah, there, theirs is technically .co, not .com, but I mean, semantic difference. So, you know, dramatically, we pivoted uh, over the course of a 15-minute period to Red Hawk Venture Group. Right. Well, and I want to talk about this a little bit. So, Red Hawk is... Matt's company name that he's had for a really long time, and it's a very meaningful concept to him, um, Red Hawks in, in general and so on. So it's the name of his primary company, which was Red Hawk Consulting, which became Red Hawk Entrepreneur Development Group because it started to encompass so many more things other than consulting, and also because consulting itself can be just a squishy generic word that means a lot of things. I mean, probably the guy in Wadawi calls himself a mailing list consultant, you know? Right. Like it can just mean so many different things. So because we primarily deal with startups, entrepreneurs, and small businesses, because we help them grow, that is the name that we change to. Also, since Matt and I started working together, we've started a lot of sort of mini companies or brand extensions under the Red Hawk umbrella. 
However, these have not been named Red Hawk, but they have had complementary names. One is our wingman consulting services. So uh, our coaching services, dang, our wingman uh, coaching services, which is a product that we use for people who don't need full-time help, but need somebody a few hours a month to run ideas by, help them craft their strategy and plans. And we also have Halix Training, which is a program whereby we train you in entrepreneur development. So I foresaw that at the rate we were going, we would have a company named after every possible part <laughs> of a bird, yeah. everything a bird does, and it might become untenable. And because Red Hawk is, is starting to get traction in Birmingham and a couple of other cities in the South, let's just keep everything under the Red Hawk name. So there's where Red Hawk comes from and why I thought it was important for us to do this company as a brand extension. Yeah. As for Red Hawk Ventures versus Red Hawk Capital, Red Hawk Investing, what are some of the other ways that people? Uh, Red Hawk Capital, Red Hawk Investments, uh, Red Hawk Venture Funds, you know, something that's a little on the nose. Those are all really pretty common, you know, venture funds, capital investments, you know, those kinds of things are all pretty common in the space. Okay, so the issue that I have with most of those terms, the sort of bankier sounding words, is that they might appeal to one half of our um, core audience, which are the investors, but it probably isn't a company name that's gonna appeal to startup founders. And it also can be kind of vague and squishy. Is this a company that helps you buy life insurance and plan your retirement account? Or is it a company that invests in like white hot new technology? So that's why I liked venture as opposed to capital. That said, Red Hawk Ventures is the name of mailing list company in Wadawi. <laughs> so we are now going to be Red Hawk Venture Group. Yes, I mean, even, yeah, so there you go. There's the big name. So Red Hawk Venture Group is born. And, and you know, Jen gets annoyed with me about this, as does other people. But I'm a big acronym uh, person. Like, I don't, I don't, like, spout them off as if it's some sort of, like, I don't know, seizure. But um, I like thinking about how things are named and what would that look like in an acronym. And so RVG is something that I think is pretty good and we can actually work with. You really liked RV. I did like RV, but then I was like, but that's also confusing, right? Yeah, because be. we're not selling campers. Um, so yet. RVG is yet. That's the next one. What could we call that one as an extension? You know, who knows? Wingspan? Something. Oh, Wingspan. that's good. No, it's terrible. Um, so, Migration. Yeah, so, so having RVG, which you know, is actually another thing that happens in kind of that venture space, which is a lot of things get... Uh, abbreviated uh, in that space like KKR and, and others that are pretty famous so anyway so we have named it and and while that doesn't seem necessarily like a big deal it, for those folks out there listening who have ever had to name something they can attest to there's a lot of kind of blood sweat tears and, and consternation around naming something especially when it's uh, a part of an existing brand or a part of an existing company so so we did do that so that that we have accomplished we literally bought the web domain um what 15 minutes ago something yep. like that to make it official so it's it's exciting it's good we also have 
created a logo and Jen can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Terry Gamble, who's a really talented local artist, created it for us and it is a good companion piece to the Red Hawk logo, which you know has kind of a Captain America feel, but I'm down with that. And it'll be in the same color scheme. I think it looks great. Now, of course, he's got to change the name on the logo, but, <laughs> yeah. but that's minor, that's minor. Yeah, it is, but uh, we're excited about it. We think it's it's the right logo. And again, it's one of those things where it may seem like such a minor detail in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, realistically, we have raised zero dollars in, in funds, so it all may be for naught. But, you know, you have to give, uh, you know, we have to start getting ready to tell the story. And one of the ways that we tell a story is what the heck are we talking about? Yeah. And we can't be talking about it in kind of this, you know. Brand um, X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This new code type terminology. Um, it's really hard to get excited about something that has a name that doesn't exist. Yeah, I have a real hard time with that myself. And also when you do start talking about it, people want to see your website or they want to see some what you've done and some sort of proof of it. And that is impossible to do for Brand X. Yeah, for sure. So that's done um, or getting done. And we're really excited about that because that kind of opens the doors for some of the next steps that we um, that we have to, to do. So some of those things just to, to give you an idea is um, we now have to start building some uh, kind of planning docs or some planning pieces one of those is you know we're, we're literally building our you know potential investor lists um, yeah, for people that we know people that we're familiar with um, people that are have already offered to network us to folks uh, in that space that might be interested to play a role and very specifically and candidly the first thing that we really want to find is we want to find a lead investor and a lead investor is someone who um, is going to represent a significant amount of the total fundraise, uh, who's also um, willing to put their name on it uh, and be talked about, not necessarily publicly in the wide public, but certainly within you know, meetings containing other investors or other interested parties that's willing to be named in, the, in that environment um, because that is how a lot of the fundraising happens not just um, here, but in other places, but it's especially true in markets like Birmingham and some of the smaller markets. Um, added to that, that what we're talking about is you know, a seed investment fund, which is uh, a bit of a unicorn. Uh, certainly in Birmingham, there are those funds, but they're pretty rare uh, and they're pretty small and, and uh, compared to the growth capital investors that are around. So, um, we're doing that, we're building that investor list and we're gonna just start having some conversations and this is really be where kind of the traction um, happens and where, we, um, where we, we find out if this thing's gonna kind of you know, stand up on its own two feet. Uh, but in order for us to do that, we've got some basic blocking and tackling stuff. So we gotta create a web page, and you know, candidly, that web page is gonna be a single page and it's basically gonna say, here's, this is the name of the company. This, this exists. Is, well, yeah, we exist. And if you want to contact us, you know, let us know at info at radhawkventuregroup.com, um, which you can do right now if you like at info at, no, I'm just kidding. And so we have to do but those kinds can. of things. But, but you, you can, can. technically. Um, we also have to, you know, we have to do uh, some documentation around the investment thesis. Like, what exactly are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish? Uh, and there will be, you know, the the prerequisite deck uh, or PowerPoint presentation or, or, you know, 
keynote or whatever whatever format we end up using that basically explains that uh, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to you know what we're trying to raise for. Do you I, have to have a lawyer on board at this point? Um, I don't think so, not yet. I mean, I'm not going to. Whether that's a mistake or not, I guess we'll find out. But we're not drawing up any agreements. It's all about just general interest and understanding who might be out there. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to be something that we're doing what you know might be considered kind of a roadshow where we're going in, in a concerted way and we literally have like, you know, term sheets and everything else in our you know, commitment sheets and all those things in our possession that we're presenting at that point. Yep. This is just a matter of like who is out there as a lead investor to be specific. When we get to the point where we feel like we have that lead investor, then things start to turn to that that legal entity and all of those things that need to happen uh, to make sure that we're buttoned up there. Is that what you're working on now? Do you feel like? What do you mean? Finding that lead investor. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's going to be the next. I mean, I'm saying that's the next step, but clearly we have to we have to get the website done. We have to get this, you know, kind of documentation of this thesis in at least broad terms and, and put it in a presentable format. And the other thing that I want to do, I want to take a piece of advice I got uh, along the way, and I actually think I mentioned this in a previous uh, episode, was having an example company that we would invest in, and I actually found one that I think would be perfect. That's awesome. Uh, to at least look at, and so this would be a, a company that we can put in front of people in detail, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get an agreement with the company in question to say, hey, this is what we're doing. I'd like to use your, your company as an example. Um, I have a lot of their information already mm-hmm. uh, and just getting basically their permission to, to use as an example. For them, it's great I mean, because it kind of gets their name out there in front of potentially a lot of good investors. And for us, it, it demonstrates uh, the, the investment thesis in kind of a real way as opposed to just being theoretical. So that's the other thing that we're doing. So getting those things together and, and really looking for that first lead investor. In a five to seven million dollar fund, let's call it, um, it, it, we can't afford to have a bunch of small investors. We can't have people, I would, as much as I would love to be able to have people writing $10,000 checks, we just, we can't. Um, we won't have enough uh, structure, we won't have enough revenue off the management fees for such a small fund to do the investor relations and, and meet all the compliance things that we have to meet on that lower threshold. So what we really need is we need a lead investor and then we need uh, substantial investors behind that to, to comprise the fund. Um, so it's a little bit of a du- double-edged sword, right? We're not right raising that much money uh, potentially, but we can't afford to have that many uh, LPs involved either for a lot of reasons. So. So those are some of the things that we're working on now. Well, you had, you had been talking to me earlier about people's reactions to the idea of the fund, just the announcement that you've been making. Yeah. It's really interesting because there's been two kinds of reactions. There's been the public reaction, <laughs> and then there's been a bit of the, uh, hey, you got a second kind of reaction where somebody pulls me over in the, in the corner of the room. Um, so, you know, the public reaction is kind of interesting. I, I, I literally have gotten a phone call two days in a row from um, a, re- a, a local reporter at a newspaper here, and I, and I won't uh, rat him out, um, but I just said it him. So it's, it's a there's male only, reporter. There's only like two business you reporters. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you can, you can <laughs> yeah, you can probably distill who I'm talking about, but, uh, you know, that, that are interested in hearing more about it. I mean, to me, I think it's a bit early to talk about um, you know, just because there's some things that are up in the air that I would rather have settled before we, we start talking about it in, in kind of a real way, like the website and, you know, all of those things. 
Um, that being said, um, publicly, you've gotten a lot of people like who've just said, hey, I think it's great. I think it's needed. People understand that you know, having seed funding in Birmingham is an incredibly important piece of building a true sustainable kind of startup ecosystem. Uh, growth capital is there, right? Advisors are there. There is a there are a ton of smart people here. There are a lot of people that will donate their time as mentors and get involved and even sit on your boards or become an investor as a as an individual investor in, in kind of the growth phase or you know what we would you know probably consider you know an A round or a B round. But not a lot of that activity happening in the C level. And so publicly, a lot of people are really excited about it. Privately, I've been told that it's, it's been a bit disruptive. Um, apparently, uh, there's been some people that are looking at it uh, almost as a, a competitive thing, which um, I was a little bit surprised about because if I'm looking around the landscape, I'm not seeing a lot of people, A, that really are playing in the seed capital space uh, kind of publicly, uh, or you know, they may be doing it individually, but but not in kind of a fund base, and, and not in a way that I think is kind of transparent and, and obvious. And so I was a little surprised by that. It, it, the feedback wasn't you know bad. Nobody was saying, oh, you know, they're really upset with you or whatever. But um, I kind of took that as a positive sign uh, because that reaction says, oh, you know, somebody else is thinking about this, and now you're doing it, and that upsets them because they're not yet doing that. And so that's a little bit of some, some you know, kind of passive market validation Wham. that others also see a, a need for doing that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's Wham. interesting. Yeah, well, a little bit. I mean, I, I've said this from the beginning and I feel really passionate about our ability as operators to to form this fund and create some incredible, incredible opportunities uh, for people. Uh, and startups and, and hopefully create the outcomes that we're, we're wanting you know, from an investment standpoint. Um, but that being said, if somebody else had already done this you know, or was doing this in a way that was credible, um, I'd be just as happy to be supportive of that effort as to start this from scratch. Frankly speaking, we, we have enough silos in this town as it is. We don't need to be creating more. But this silo, from, from what I can tell, doesn't really exist. So. Uh, we're kind of forced with creating it as opposed to just being supportive of another effort or being I, kind of, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. This doesn't compete with anything that currently exists. Um, <clears throat> if people want to get involved, they certainly can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think that anybody starting a venture of any kind in the city means that someone else has to feel lesser than or For not sure. included or not involved. Yeah. And every venture that started makes your venture that much more valuable because it creates the whole ecosystem. We're happy for other people when they start a venture and I think the same should apply here. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, This is something that we keep coming back to. I've been having, I mean, dozens of conversations over the last six months about what it, you know what does the startup community need what, are, what do you need to do what do we need to build what do we need to have what kind of resources access and stuff like that and there are a lot of people in town that are doing a lot of great work to try to make that happen you know I've, I've been involved with some of the stuff that the edpa is doing innovate birmingham you know the depot the velocity like all of these at tech birmingham all these places are trying to do some really great things but frankly speaking it comes back to there isn't seed capital available and that is going to continue to be a limiting factor. And while I'm not foolish enough to believe that five to $7 million in a fund that's seed focused is going to change it, it's going to be an example. It's hopefully gonna be emblematic 
and show other people, you know, look what you did or what you can do with a couple of people who are really motivated in a small fund. Imagine if we had all of those resources kind of pulling in the same direction and we put some real assets behind it, some real money behind it, what can mm -hmm. we do? And I believe that's the way that we need to start. And so nobody's doing it because they don't want to or, or don't see the need or whatever the reason is. So, you know, that's our opportunity. We're gonna create it. Um, so that's kind of where we are. The next part about this and a big part of this, and you, you alluded to it, is one of the goals of all of this whole process is we want to be pretty transparent and pretty open with the general you know, public. If you want to know more about what we're doing or what we're trying to do or why we're doing it or, or who's potentially getting involved, you know, either from a management perspective or you know, participating. You know, I'm not going to get into investor stuff. Obviously, there's a there's a line there, but it's transparent as you possibly be. We want to have those conversations with you. This could be an opportunity for us to start having some kind of really honest and open conversations about the lack of funding and how things should get funded, uh, and and when they should get funded in Birmingham, and how are we taking this not just from writing somebody a check, but all the way through you know, their growth and scale phase. Those are conversations that we need to be having. And if this is a vehicle that provides for the, for a place for those conversations to happen, then that's just all the better um, and a great outcome to have from that. So, you know, I'm really excited about this last piece that I'll talk about is, you know, talking about forming kind of the team around it. So, you know, you hear me and you hear Jen talking about it and, you know, Jen very much has been incredibly helpful in helping me think through, you know, kind of the branding, the marketing, positioning strategy, and not only that, but also to just kind of the longer term, you know, what, what market are we trying to serve and some of the, the broader questions. And we need to form that team. And I'm excited. I, I would love to be able to announce, you know, that, you know, who's on the team as far as that goes right now, but some of that's still fluid. Um, but I am really encouraged by a couple of conversations that I've had and if the things work out the way that they do, um, I'm really excited about a potential managing partner that wants to come on board and, and work with this and be on the team um, and be a true kind of managing partner. And if that happens, um, that's just gonna make the team that much better. We're also gonna be looking at who are our advisors going to be. That's gonna be a very big deal. Who would sit on our potential board of directors um, in the fund that I'm envisioning and in the organization I'm envisioning our advisors and our and our board will play a very active role in the ongoing success of the company. Not just hey, that's great that you think that, and now we'll you know continue on our day. But strategically, how they want to get involved um, is going to be a big deal. So I'm excited about that. And not only that, but service providers. We we want to find some aggressive service providers that want to get involved and want to help us work on the legal issues, on the compliance issues, on some of the service issues, investor relations. All of those things, all those compliance, all those legal uh, things that we're trying to do, I would love to find some folks that are really interested in the mission of what we're doing. We can find service providers to do all the work. That's easy. We, we have a ton of, of really great, high-quality folks. But I'm really interested in seeing if this doesn't also help us find some people that are really passionate about, about what we're trying to do and, and how we're trying to do it and want to get involved, not just as a service provider, but just kind of involved in, in the entire you know, process of this. So I think all of those things provide us opportunities and I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where they end up. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot and there's a lot of people. How many people, 
so once it's all told, not counting the um, not counting the investors and not counting the companies that you invest in. How many people do you see involved in making this go? Yeah, so I think there'll be a, a, um, I think there'll be a combination. I think there will probably be two managing partners. I would be one of them, uh, and then another. Uh, then we may have. Um, so, well, then we'll obviously we'll have service providers that are working in a contract um, capacity. Do we add staff beyond that? Probably not um, full-time staff beyond that. And the reason being is is the economics of it are pretty straightforward. You know, yeah. if you're charging a, you know, a two percent management fee on you know what you've raised, if you raise a five million dollar um, fund, you know, you're talking about a hundred grand, uh, and that sounds like a lot of money. But once you start having to get on planes and doing travel and trying to find deal flow and doing all that stuff, it doesn't go as far as you think. Yeah. Um, so even managing partners that are involved are not certainly not going to be taking um, big salaries. We just don't have uh, the capacity for that. And frankly speaking, the, we have other mechanisms for for generating revenue for our own, you know, uh, kind of survival. So that's good. Um, but with that said, you know, we don't ha we aren't going to be able to run you know really lavish operations. We're going to have to be doing it frugally uh, to create the 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 best opportunities for the investment side of it. Well, the next thing that I need to do is get that logo changed and get the website up. So we'll be talking about content this week. What about you? So we're going to have to work on the investment thesis and the investor list. Um, again, um, working with some of the folks that are kind of working with us behind the scenes on some of that stuff to, to refine that and get that to the next stage. But that's going to be the big part. This is, this is where we'll find out if it's really going to Kind of stand up on its own, or if we've you know tried in our best, but we're we're gonna fail to get traction. This will be where it happens. I just want to have a big, huge pitch day, like on Silicon Valley, where we make them all come in and sweat their balls off and freak out. <laughs> you mean the to... individual companies? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, but you know, one of the things that happens is when you put people in through programs, you're actually limiting yourself on your investment thesis a bunch because one of the things that you're doing when you, even if you're doing just a pitch competition, you're automatically limiting yourself to who can be at a certain place at a certain time for a certain period of time. And whether that's a pitch competition that's one day for four hours or yep. it's an accelerator that's 12 weeks. Right. What an incredible limitation on your investment thesis, right? Where you're going, well, we really like this company, but they can't be here on, you know, October the 27th for, you know, four hours. And, and it's even worse for an accelerator because now you go, well, there were these four companies we wanted, but they couldn't give us 12 weeks in the middle of the year because, you know, they have kids. Yeah. Right. And can't be gone from their, you know. Home That's a for really three good months. Point. Yeah, it's a really big limiting factor, and it's why you, you know, it's why honestly you're seeing a lot of people walking away or evolving past that incubator and accelerator model. Because if you look at it kind of practically, it's putting a lot of uh, parameters around an investment that you would not naturally put around it. You know, you have to be at a certain place at a certain time for a certain duration of time. None of those things signal value. None yeah. of those things signal a good investment. And they're all just limiting factors in the, the potential opportunities you can look at. So it's just limiting your deal flow in three fairly arbitrary ways, yeah. right? As opposed to saying, great opportunity. We can, we can dedicate some resources to them. It happens to be January 15th, you know, and that's what a fund can do versus, you know, 
a program? Well, I think accelerators and pitch competitions tend to presume that there are infinite uh, startups out there right. that are at the exact point that they are looking for right. um, for their accelerator and that they are all equal. Yeah. So if there are, they really commodify them. So if there are 10,000 startups that are all equally good, um, well, then we just have to pick the first nine to apply or whatever yeah. else. And so it's all good. But in the case where you're actually trying to make money and this isn't a public service, then yeah, that makes sense that you wouldn't want to limit them for the for the things that don't add value. And I can't remember the exact stat, so, but I think it'll be close, is you know, between Techstars and Y Combinator as an accelerator, for example, Techstars and, and Y Combinator, I think uh, based on what PitchBook will tell you is like 85% of investment do by dollars um, happen for all accelerators all over the country. 85% of the total funding dollars go to companies that went through Techstars or Y Combinator. What percent? Like 85%. Wow. Of the dollars. Now, it's not the total investment, and some of the Y Combinator investment dollars post-graduation are big. Yeah. Big, if you look at, at, at what has happened. But, you know, they can literally say, hey, apply, and they get a 1,000 applications for 10 spots, you know, right. like their odds. But for the average accelerator who says, yeah, apply, you know, you may pick from 50 to get to 10. Those odds aren't very good, yeah. right? And that's not going to necessarily distill down the best 10 that were available. The most successful accelerators are the ones that are actively recruiting and not waiting for somebody to apply. Yeah. Um, y Combinator, Techstars, some, a couple others can get away with that because they are that successful and they are that big of a brand. Mm -hmm. um, and they know that if they graduate out of there, they've got some people like literally lining up to give them cash in the form of an investment. So. Um, we are trying to skip all of that per se and go straight to a fund where we get to go look and find investment opportunities that make sense uh, based on what we're trying to do and in the time frame that makes sense for us to do it. Cool. So lots of work ahead. So, you know, appreciate everybody tuning into this. I hope it wasn't, you know, uh, completely boring, but this is part of the process. Some of it is dramatic. Some of it is, you know, one foot in front of the other. But you know the whole point of this podcast and this series is to to go through those things and, and pull back the curtain and let you see exactly what it's like. So hopefully you got something out of it, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll do another one in another week or so. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>